Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. probably aware of this the english language has a lot of quirky things about it um i'm sure other languages do as well too i just don't know other languages um i know other languages are incredibly difficult some are tonal uh when we used to send teams to thailand that was difficult because you had a high tone a mid tone a low tone a rising tone and a falling tone and the tone completely changed the word so you had to get the tone just right but so anyway, so English has its just kind of its own set of quirks um, about it. Uh, these are just kind of some of the, the fun ones that, that I found. Um, the uh, one morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got into my pajamas, I'll never know. And it, it's kind of a cute little joke, but what it illustrates, though, is that actually you have one sentence that can have completely different sentence structure kind of based on how you're reading it, right? Like you, you assume that the shooter was wearing his pajamas, but then you realize, well, actually, the, the sentence doesn't tell us that. Um, here's another one. The complex houses married and single soldiers and their families. And it, it kind of throws you off because you assume, assume that complex is the adjective, but actually, complex is actually the main noun. It is the complex that houses, houses is the verb, it's, it's not the noun, the married and single soldiers and their family. And so complex houses and married can, can kind of all go two different ways. Um, here's another one. All the money he had, 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 no effect on the outcome of his life. Um, that is a past perfect tense back-to-back. And, it, for, and the other thing, too, on this one that you realize is the importance of rhythm in the English language. Because when I read to you all the money he had, 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 it doesn't make any sense. But when I, when I say to you all the money he had had, had had no effect on the outcome of his life. It's almost like that first had is almost like, it's like a little grace note or, or something like that. And when, when you start to look for it in the English language, rhythm is actually very important on, on how we say der, der certain sentences and how we uh, uh, quote stuff. Um, this next one, um, there are nine possible pronunciations to O-U-G-H, and all of them are in this sentence. The rough-coated, doe-faced, thoughtful plowman strode through the streets of Scarborough after falling into a slough he coughed and hiccuped. Right. Um, this next one is amusing. Um, a man without her man is nothing. Um, they gave this sentence to a group of people, and they said, add the proper punctuation. So if you go to click again, the, um, the men added two commas and punctuated it like this. The women added a colon and a comma and punctuated it like this. Again, it's the exact same sentence, but drastically different meaning, all based on, on that punctuation. There was a, a grammar book called Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, and it was basic, and I never read it because I'm not a grammar person, I don't know, it just didn't interest me, but that always cracked me up, eat, shoots, and leaves, because you don't know if you're dealing with a vegetarian or a homicidal guy, right? Like, you don't know what he's eating. Um, okay, uh, here's another one, time flies like an arrow, but fruit flies like a banana. In the second use, fruit flies is referring to the insect, 
not, not time flying. Um, next one, the horse raced past the barn fell. This is a, a reductive relative clause. We assumed that the barn fell, but it didn't. The horse fell. You have to read the horse fell. Oh, and by the way, the horse had just been run past the barn at a high rate of speed. The horse that was raced past the barn, yeah, it fell down later on. Um, this next one is interesting. I'm not even going to read it to you. Uh, but this is remarkable just in that each word is one letter longer than the one that preceded it. So it starts off with a single letter, and the last word in the sentence has 20 letters long. And it just each word just grows by the single letter. And this is apparently all grammatically correct and that kind of thing. So, you know, yay for whoever came up with that. Um, the next one... This one, uh, some 19th century grammar person was frustrated because you can put ing onto so many participles and it's still grammatically correct. So he came up with this. There are 31 words with ing in them and, and apparently this is a very witty response when someone critiques your grammar. So next time you just really want to be the life of the party... You memorize this, and then when they correct your grammar, you just bust that out, and you will be a hit. I'm, that's, I'm telling you. Um, last one. This is an actual sentence uh, that is also grammatically correct. And the reason that this works is because buffalo is an animal, right? The North American bison. It is a city in New York, Buffalo, New York. But it is also a verb that means to bully. If you buffalo someone, you're, you're bullying them. And so, you know, the website tried to explain it four different ways, and I still couldn't understand it, but I'm just taking their word that this is a grammatically... It's, it's basically a bullying war between the bison of Buffalo, New York. So, there, there you have it. Um, so, this week, we're, we're continuing on this idea of hope and exploring the, the topic of hope. What does it mean to grow in hope? What does it mean to, to progress in hope? Uh, but the problem that I kept running into is that throughout Scripture, there seem to be almost like inconsistent uses on how the word hope was used in, in Scripture. And the more I studied it, the harder it became to understand hope, let alone how we to grow in it. And it was, it was kind of like hope was kind of like buffalo, 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 but like what what exactly are we are we dealing with here? And there is just a, a lot of confusion. Um, the Christmas season, of course, is saturated with the idea of hope, uh, and rightfully so. It should be. I mean, Advent is one of our greatest reminders of hope, um, and it's also one of the, the greatest promises of hope fulfilled. I mean, for centuries upon centuries, people had looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. So when Christ is born, that was hope fulfilled. Um, since then, uh, 2,000 years now, we have looked for, we have hoped for the day when either he will come again or when we get to go be with him. And so once again, we are looking forward to this day when our hope will be fulfilled. And Advent just reminds us of all that and just brings it to the forefront. But what do you do when Scripture honestly, seems to be all over the map on this idea of hope. It, it, it's kind of like the horse race past the barn fell, right? Like you, you have to read it three times to figure out what, what exactly we're, we're dealing with. Um, 
the today I'm, I'm actually going to be covering a lot of verses and so what i did was is um as we go through i'm just going to give you like the first two verses they'll be up on this today i have all kinds of slides normally i'm not a slide guy but if you love slides like this is your best monday ever um so i just i just kind of gave you the first couple verses and then I'll, I'll go through some more and i mean chad has to pay attention like he has never paid attention before um just finger ready twitching Okay, so um, the common use of the word hope in our language, how, how we tend to use it, is basically akin to wishful thinking, right? I hope it doesn't rain. I hope the weather is nice. I hope Nebraska wins a game or whatever thing, right? Like however that goes for you. Um, and, but, but what we see is that in Scripture, the exact same thing happens, all right? In Scripture, in various places, the word hope is, is associated with wishful thinking, Philippians 2.19, Paul writes this, I hope in the, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. All right? He's not sure. He's really hoping this, this pans out. Uh, it's kind of a wishful thinking. 1 Timothy 3.14, once again, Paul writes, I hope to come to you soon. Uh, some more verses. Acts 6.19, um, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, uh, their, their hope of, of gaining income, uh, they seized Paul and Silas. Second uh, John, uh, verse 12, uh, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. So just like we use the word hope as, as kind of this wishful uh, thinking connotation, um, same thing happens in Scripture. But Scripture also uses the word hope in the context of salvation, all right? So we're drastically different topic here. Um, it, it's hope shifts from wishful thinking to the topic of our salvation. So, I mean, now something concrete, something certain, something absolute. Uh, once we accept Christ and, as Lord and Savior, right, our, our salvation, like it, it's a sealed um, deal. And, and, just, and this provision of salvation was beyond us, right? Uh, we're unable to rescue ourselves. God comes down, rescues us. So this hope is something that is provided by God. It's born out of his will. We need only to accept it. Uh, and once we had accepted it, it, it's full, it, it's complete, and it doesn't need any help from us. So pretty much about the most opposite you can get from wishful thinking. Okay? 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, right? So there's this connection with, with salvation. It's something permanent. It's unchanging. Romans 8, 23. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we, as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, right? Hope is connected with salvation. A, a few more. 1 Thessalonians um, 5.8 But uh, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, uh, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Direct connection between hope and salvation. 1 Timothy 1.1 1, 1. Uh, Paul, an apostle, uh, commanded of our God and Savior, of Jesus Christ, our hope. Romans 8.24 For in this hope we were saved. Uh, 1 John 3, 3, everyone who thus hopes, p- 
purifies himself as, as he is pure. So it talks about that, that process of salvation. So we see scripture linking hope and, and salvation. So we've got wishful thinking. Um, we've got salvation. The two are kind of polar opposites. Um, but then hope also becomes this thing where it's like it's this character trait um, that is something that should be present in the life of Christians that you and I should grow and mature in, right? Like fruits of the Spirit or hospitality or being a nice person or that kind of thing, right? Like hope is something that is in you that, that you need to, gr- to grow in, get, get better at, become more, more mature in. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, but, but uh, these three, but the greatest of these is love, right? Super popular verse. Most of us just focus on love. But um, hope is mentioned in there as well, too. And the whole context of 1 Corinthians 13 is actually the proper use of spiritual gifts, how to express them well. They should be done in love and these kinds of things. But hope gets named, and, and it's this idea that, you know, there's faith, hope, and love. All of them are good, and really you should be growing in all of them, right? Uh, and then love is the best one. Romans 5.3. This is probably the, the clearest one on growing hope in our lives. Um, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Right? So there's, we, we see that, that hope is a character trait that, that we develop, and, and there's this pathway um, that, is, that is given to us around that. Uh, some more verses, 1 Timothy 5.5. 5. Um, it's, it, it's talking about widows, and um, Paul is giving some instructions to the church. He writes this, uh, She who is truly a widow left all alone, who has set her hope on God. Right? So hope is associated with kind of suffering, dependency uh, upon God. And there's the sense that some widows have done a very good job of setting their, their hope on God. First uh, Thessalonians 1, 2, uh, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, and then it parallels 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, remembering before our God and Father the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. Right? Direct parallel to, to 1 Corinthians 13. But in this case, all of them are marked with an action word. Right? We have the work of faith. We have the labor of love. We have the steadfastness of hope. 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, honor Christ uh, as holy. Always be prepared to to give a defense of anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. So you have hope that is in you, and you're supposed to be prepared to to explain it. Romans 5.12, may the God of hope fill you. And then later on, may you abound in hope. So once again, there's there's kind of this association that, that you're growing or changing. God is a God of hope, and our growth in hope is actually a a work of of the Holy Spirit. So, um, you and I have a responsibility to grow in in hope, but but not salvation hope, that's a secured, done deal, and not in wishful thinking hope, because there's not really anything to, to, to do with that, but in this idea that hope is a character trait that should be present in, in our lives, um... In this case, uh, it is often linked to hard things, right? I mean, we read things like patience, endurance, 
suffering, steadfast. These are all the words that are associated with the character trait of hope in, in, our, in our life. So, wishful thinking, salvation, a character trait that we're to grow in. And then lastly, hope gets associated with heaven. Um, or, or perhaps that, that moment when, when we die, or, or the second coming of Christ. Uh, Colossians 1.3 uh, we always thank God uh, for you when we pray for you because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So now hope gets associated with, with heaven. Uh, Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of our great God, Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, just a couple more here. Romans 8.24, uh, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for patience. So there's this this sense of, um, of waiting um, for hope that will be revealed. Uh, Galatians 5.5, 5, we wait for the hope of righteousness. So once again, either second coming or being made perfect in, in heaven. Uh, and then lastly, 1 Peter 13, preparing our minds for action, being sober-minded, setting our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. So, so once again, when, when we get to see Jesus again. Prior to this week, I had no idea that hope got used so many different ways in Scripture. And it was actually a, a pretty miserable week, because I didn't figure it out till like Thursday or Friday. Um, so Monday to Thursday was kind of rough. Um, because, so hope gets associated with wishful thinking. We have salvation hope. We have a character trait that, that you and I grow in hope. Uh, and then... Just hope associated with heaven. But here's where it really gets remarkable. So a couple months ago, um, I explained to you how your spiritual journey, in, in a very kind of big picture sense, has three distinct phases. Theologians will tell you that there's kind of three parts to your spiritual journey. The first is the moment of your salvation. Theologians like to call this justification. Then there's the, the process of you growing in obedience and love, and that's called sanctification. And then there's another moment where you enter into heaven, and, and that's called glorification. So you have a moment, you have a process, and you have a moment. Um, because I didn't realize this until later on, I didn't have a chance as Joni to make me a decent slide, so I just mooched some bad slides off the internet. Um, this, this does a good job of showing it, right? You have the moment... Oh, no, go back, go back. You have the moment of justification, right? Saved from the penalty of sin. The process of sanctification, being saved from the power of sin. And then the moment of glorification, where we're saved from the presence of sin. Okay, now next one. Uh, this kind of shows it, right? Justification, the door by faith. Process of sanctification, right? Then the moment of glorification at death or the rapture. Okay, next one. Um... This one looked like it was done a really long time ago. Um, you know, so we're slaves to sin, and then we have the moment of conversion, and then we have the squiggly line that is the Christian life. Still way too smooth. My, my line needs, like, more circles, maybe, and, like, a backwards part and a couple dips and spikes. Uh, way too clean of a line. Uh, and then we're kind of death where the, the moment. Okay. So three bad slides to, to convey this, this idea. Hope is associated with the moment of your salvation. Hope is associated with your process of sanctification. Hope is associated with your upcoming event of glorification where you will meet Jesus. 
Romans 15, 13 says that God is the God of hope. What I did not realize and what I'm trying to convey to you this morning is that the God of hope has literally injected hope into every phase of your spiritual life. From the moment you say yes to Jesus, lots of verses associate that with hope, to you growing as as a Christian, lots of verses associate that with hope. To the moment where you will meet Jesus for the first time, lots of verses associate that with hope. Scripture has, has just um, inserted or, or almost like it just impregnated like every part of your spiritual journey with hope. Um, and, it was, and like I said, I mean, it was kind of a frustrating week. But once I realized what God had hidden in the Scripture then it actually became amazing. Um, This morning, we heard from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people. Let me give you a warning based on hope, and let me give you some comfort based on hope. Uh, A warning, um, the the clearest one is Ephesians 2.12. Remember that at that time, when you were separated from Christ, alienated, uh, strangers to the covenant of the promise, and then it has this line, having no hope, and without God in the world. So the warning there is that until we have Jesus in our life, there's no hope, right? None. It's, we have wishful thinking hope, but that's about it. You want hope in your life? It begins and ends with Jesus. That's hope. But a comfort. Once we have Jesus in our life, everything changes. For, for the man or woman who has put hope, their hope in Jesus then God will infuse every part, every part of your spiritual journey with hope. It is not random, it is not careless, it is not haphazard, it is not luck. This is a carefully thought out, premeditated, carefully designed plan that every part of your life from start to finish, from your spiritual birth to your physical death, is infused with hope, saturated in hope. Jesus came on to earth as a baby, um, but he really came to die and to make available to us our freedom from sin and to make available to us a restored relationship with God. When he came, he fulfilled a hope. When he comes again, he will fulfill another hope. And until then, for those who say yes to him, every part of our journey is now saturated with hope. My, My hope and prayer for you this Christmas is that you are more aware of hope than you ever have been before, and that you will see it with fresh eyes in every single aspect of your life. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your truths uh, in Scripture. Thank you for the truths that are very clear and blatant and right in front of us, Lord, and thank you for the ones that, that we have to dig for a little bit. And Lord, thank you that every part of our spiritual life, every part, you have saturated with hope. You have infused with hope. Lord, that moment when we said yes to you, that's hope. As as we struggle through this life with patience and endurance, trying to be steadfast, enduring suffering, that's you putting hope in our lives. And when we will one day see you face to face, that is once again hope fulfilled. Lord, thank you 
that by your intentional good plan, hope is a part of how we get to live. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.